Good afternoon and welcome to the Pitch Towards Holiness podcast. I'm Mike Kidwell. And I'm Michael Kidwell. And we welcome you. Um, It is a rainy Saturday day, but it's dry inside and we're really excited today because we're going to be talking about teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Um, A lot of us know um, that baseball is a team sport. A lot of us know that the individual accolades and stats do add up, but by and large, you can't win without nine players. So right. we're going to talk about some of those players, Michael, that um, really have left their mark in the next generation, not mm-hmm. just um, on the field, not just um, stats, but what shows up in the intangibles of mentorship and discipleship on the baseball field. Right. And so it could be... Um, a veteran helping out a rookie, or it could be um, a combo in the middle of the field that is really good at turning double plays. Um, it could be a lot of different things. Um, it could be a guy's in a slump and he's going to his teammates mm-hmm. to see if they notice anything in his swing just to get some pointers to get out of a slump. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things baseball-wise we could talk about when it comes to teamwork and discipleship. Um, So it's just a matter of just giving examples, I guess. So um, as we all know, Jeremy Pena, this was his rookie season. And um, he, he credited a lot of his success this season to Jose Altuve, um, which has been in the league for 11 plus seasons now. And he said if it wasn't for some of the advice that Altuve would have given, um, that he gave him early on in the season, he probably wouldn't have been able to get um, uh, MVP for the ALCS and then also credits his success in the World Series to advice he was given by Altuve. And we've seen a lot of veteran pitchers, especially on the Astros, and I'm sure it happens across the league where um, an, an older player like uh, Justin Verlander takes a lot of the players to the side, the pitchers, and really um, encourages them, lifts them up, and, and shows them some of the things that have worked for him. And we've seen that time and time again with different pitchers and the success that our um, Houston Astros pitching staff had um, is accredited to their individual um their individual talent but it's also a credit to um the, the the organization and the teaching and mentorship that they have but also within the organization the players the managers that are willing to you know take some time and spend some time with the younger generation coming up right to really invest in them and make them the best that they can possibly be right Because, I mean, we can all admit whenever we're first starting out something new, we need help from a guy who's done it before. Whether it's starting a new job, whether it's um, starting a new hobby. I mean, this is more than just baseball. Um, You always seem to find someone that you know that's good at it and ask what they've done wrong so that you don't do the same thing. 
Yeah, and you know what? It's it's a very spiritual thing too. What they're doing. It's um, we're going to be talking about it today. It's out of Matthew sixteen that we'll be addressing in just a minute. But it's a very spiritual thing that they're doing with um, discipleship, whether they intend to or not. And um, you know the, those older players, those veteran pitchers and hitters and um, fielders and whatever they are, they have the opportunity whether to spend the time with the younger players coming up, the rookies, um, even those that they see in the minor leagues. They have the opportunity whether not or whether to um, spend the time that they do in investing them and helping them hone their individual craft. So right. That that's a choice that they make, and we've seen a lot of veterans make the right choice mm-hmm. in mentoring those young people, and I think that's very important within the body of Christ. And you see discipleship a lot of time happen from, you know, older people to younger people, but it's an intergenerational thing. It should work both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be this working together as a team within the body of Christ where we as men can rely on, you know, the older to really help us with some experiences that they've been through right? and help us with some mistakes that they've been through and really show us what worked for them. And then also it's, it's the older generation learning from the younger generation, some of the struggles that they go through these days and really trying to connect those two worlds and um, help them both be successful for the body of Christ. Because discipleship is not a um, one-way street. It's a two-way street. Um, it, it should go both directions. And you, you look at what Jesus is asking us to do, and I can even read it. It's in Matthew 16, verse 24 through 28. It says, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life, Wait just a minute. You should, um, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life, and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own, as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self sacrifice and lose your life for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. For even if you were to gain all the wealth and power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? I, the Son of Man, will one day return my messengers and in the splendor and majesty of my Father, and then I will reward each person according to what they have done. Mm-hmm. But I promise you there are some standing here now who won't experience death until they have witnessed the coming of the Son of Man in the presence of the kingdom realm of God. And that is the translation, the, that is the um, Passion Translation. So Jesus, right after Peter Right after Peter's encounter with Jesus, where he asked Peter, who do you say I am? And and Peter says, you are the Christ, the the Son of God, and I believe that you know, you're know you that. Um, Peter was really 
speaking out of relationship with Jesus. But then not too long after that, Jesus started talking about the cross and what he was going to have to do mm-hmm. and what he was going to have to, how he was going to have to lay down his own life. And Peter quickly piped up and said, no, Lord, you, uh, you can't do that. You know, I don't want you to die. And he really automatically self-proclaimed his will instead of God's will. And, and Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. And um, so it went from him proclaiming Christ to him wanting his own will. So it, it really is a picture of where we're at right now in the church as a whole in right. general, where a lot of us want to pro- profess the name of the Lord. A lot of us are willing to say that we're Christians. A lot of us will go to church and small groups and be a part of things, but whenever it's going to cost us something, whenever we have to give up our own will, whenever we have to give up our secret sin, then we're signing off and we want off off, um, off the boat. We don't want to be a part of that. But if you look at what we just read, discipleship is not about your will. It's all about the Lord's will and giving up your will for his. Right. Um, everybody has a cross, and that cross is your will. And whether you're willing to lay it down for the kingdom of God or if you're just going to hold on to your cross and um, say that you're a Christian and go to church and all those things, but never give up anything sacrificially of yourself. That's that's not what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. I, I would even wonder if um, you truly were a follower of Christ if you didn't have the fruits of discipleship in your life. Because the Bible says, Jesus says, they will know you by the fruit that you bear. And so the fruit that you can bear in discipleship is the, the people that you're influencing. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, um, Michael, you may know this or not, but right before you were born, um, your mom and I, we bought a 95 Suzuki sidekick. It was a, a Jeep, mm. you know, looking thing. And it had a rag top. It was a convertible. We could take the top on and off. And um, it was brand new. We drove it off the lot brand new. And probably about the time you were two, um, maybe it was three, um, I was at a softball game in Pasadena, got in the Jeep, and started making a clicking noise. And not too much longer after that, um, it made loud clicking noise. And it stopped working. Um, so had had to have it towed to a shop and see what was wrong with it. And lo and behold, it was completely out of oil. Mm. And, um, you know, that sounds silly, but I was not brought up in a home that was mechanically inclined. And mm-hmm. nobody told me the base thing that, that I think is just common sense now. But nobody told me that when you buy a new vehicle or a vehicle at all, you have to get the oil changed, and you mm-hmm. have to go get it serviced, and all these things. And um, I didn't, I didn't know that, and so I ran that thing out of oil completely, and it, it blew the motor. So the motor had to be completely changed out for it to even work. Um, I say that because my brother-in-law at the time he was a mechanic, and um, he told me he's like, you know, I could have showed you how to change your own oil and. And he eventually did, but 
um, it was too late on that vehicle. But he's like, you know, th- this didn't have to happen. I could have showed you um, how to do it, but I thought you knew. Mm-hmm. And I think this is happening in the kingdom of God a lot with young men. They're spiritually running out of oil and about to blow their tanks because they're making some mistakes or going to go through some things that other men in the body of Christ could help them with, but they just assume that they, they're good and they have somebody to help them. Mm -hmm. But you know, if, if we have some knowledge, if we have something to give the next generation, we don't need to hold that back. We need to make sure that we give it. Right. And maybe we can help somebody from blowing their engine, spiritually speaking. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we've, I've coached baseball for a long time. You played baseball for a long time. And we, we saw some teams that worked really good together. Mm-hmm. We saw some teams that didn't really work good together. And our success was really predicated on if the team could function as a unit. Mm-hmm. And so the, those teams that we had really good seasons and did hardly lost any games those were the kids that were working together and the older kids, coaches, everybody was kind of helping each other out, mentoring each other, encouraging each other, building each other up when they were down. And, um, you, you saw success happen because of that. So we, we want really, we want to communicate, um, the theme discipleship, but we, we want everybody to understand that there's a huge gap right now. Um, between the next generation and the older generation. But discipleship doesn't retire. It doesn't take vacation. It doesn't get rained out. It it, it doesn't quit. It's mm-hmm. always looking for times of investment. And mm-hmm. like I said before, that should go both ways. It should be with the older investing in the younger and the younger being open to receive from the older, but also the younger investing in the older and that might just be taking time with them. So they feel valued as well. Mm -hmm. Like when, um, Brittany and I first got married, I was like, you know what, this is going to be good. Um, we both went through the counseling course, like we're, we're set, (coughs) we're set and we're going to be good. And then things happened, fights happened. And, Um, I went to you and then I thought of like just random people in the church that are, um, older and have been married 45, 50 plus years. And I'm like, you know what? I don't talk to this person a whole lot, but I think they have something they could share with me. And so just starting conversations with that person actually has really helped, um, and I won't name names uh, just to um, not throw them under the bus. Um, but it, it's been nice to be able to have these conversations and to see um, the struggles they went through and how it's kind of helping me along with the struggles that I'm going through. Yeah, none of us are immune to struggles. None of us are immune to hard times. And discipleship doesn't mean that if we all work together perfectly, that everything's going to go good. That mm-hmm. just means that when everything doesn't go good, when everything falls apart around us and we're experiencing some tribulation or some trouble, 
that we band together even closer and we can work together through those times because we've been working together already through the times where we're not having trouble. Mm-hmm. It's almost like preparing for a hurricane. If you prepare for a hurricane when there's no hurricane, you have water, you have batteries, you have the things you need. Right. But if you fail to prepare and the hurricane's coming, then you have to fight the store and see if they even have the stuff. Mm-hmm. So those people that are most successful during the storms are the ones that are preparing when there's no storm. Right. And that's the same thing in the spiritual. We need to be preparing each other for the battle ahead, even if there's no battle going on right now. Because right. the devil's not going to quit. He's not going to um, stop trying to break the family apart. He's not going to try to, he's not going to stop trying to break marriages apart. So we're going to need each other for the long haul, not just mm-hmm. for now, but for the long haul. And we're, we're really going to need to look for those times of investment with each other. And we, we need to be open to what God has for us because a lot of times God puts these discipleship opportunities in our place and our wills in the way, you know, it's, well, not today, God, because I've got something else to do, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I need to go and um, take care of this or take care of that. And you can figure out a hundred different excuses right. why God's will is not going to work for you right now. But that's not complete surrender. That's not what it looks like to be a sold-out disciple. And so you're either in or you're out. There's no in-between. It's really not... Um, no gray area. It's really just mm-hmm. black and white. You're either all the way for discipleship or you're not participating in it at all. And I, I would venture to say that if you're not participating in discipleship, that you, you're really not participating in building in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's not a part of, um, if you're not building relationships when it comes to um, your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you're not doing what you're called to do. We're called to be witnesses. And not only are you supposed to share with people that don't know the word and to plant the seed, but then just like planting plants, those seeds still need to be watered. Mm -hmm. They still need to be um, harvested. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, go back to those people and talk to them, whether it's a friend, whether it's your coworker, whether it's a family member that's straying away or something. If it takes constant persistence, um, some people like me are hard headed. It takes me multiple times until it finally clicks. And sometimes that's what you got to do to people. You got to not nag them and you don't want to annoy them. But sometimes it just takes a little more pushing for others um, to really have it click in their lives. Yeah, and we, we just need to be persistent with our discipleship. If God puts somebody on your heart, if um, it's his your will, if, if, if it's his will, I'm sorry, if it is his will for you to be a part of somebody's life and you're not um, usually a part of that person's life, maybe it's outside your comfort zone then it's up to us to be obedient and make mm-hmm. sure that we heed the voice of God so we can be used by him right. in that capacity. And if you're outside your comfort zone, that is even better because that's where he is allowed to work and you you have to completely rely on the Holy Spirit. Because if you're, if you're just always in your comfort zone, then you're not working by the Holy Spirit's direction. 
-hmm. you're probably relying on yourself. It, it, God needs us to be uncomfortable to really use us in a, in a mighty way. So that's why a, a lot of times things happen that you don't expect and things don't always go as you plan because God wants you to be reliant on him. He doesn't want you to just try to figure it all out on your own. Right. And like this morning, um, as a prime example, we had the men's breakfast this morning and I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot to wake up and you called me and you were like, Hey, you coming? And, um, I was like, at first I was going to get up and go. And then I got outside and I was like, uh, my tire's flat. I ain't going to make it. And so I, the first thing that started running through my head was, I don't have money for a new tire right now. Um, uh, bills are due. I don't have the money. And so at first I was like, uh, let's, let's just go to discount, see if they could put air in it and I'll just go about my merry way. And so I got the discount. They were like, Hey, it's too far gone. You're going to need a new tire and let's pull up your account. Um, see if it's going to cost you anything. And so pull up my account, had warranty on the tire, got a brand new tire and then um they they fixed it and sent me on my way and so later on in the day um Brittany's doing laundry she's like hey the tire's flat like that's doesn't make any sense because I just got a new tire so I went back I was like hey it's a brand new tire you just gave it to me this morning um and now I had to put air in it like 20 minutes ago and it's already flat so they're like, yeah, there was a um, dent in the rim. Um, the person that replaced your tire didn't do their job fully. We fixed it. Um, you're good to go. There, we checked it for leaks. Um, you're good to go. And so um, I'm, I'm in all in this. I'm like, ooh, if it wasn't for my dad telling me to buy that warranty, I would definitely be having to pay for a tire right now. And, and why did I tell you to get that warranty? Because I struggled through those things without a warranty for years right. and years. And I got myself caught on the side of the road and without money to fix a tire. And, you know, um, I, I finally had to gain the wisdom after a lot of struggles to get the warranty every time I buy the tire. And then I'm passing that on to you. And then hopefully you'll keep doing that mm -hmm. with other people. And, you know, something that costs pennies. Yeah. Um, really saved you a lot of headache today and got you a tire that you couldn't afford. So, right. Um, it, God provided on many levels. He could provide it on a way of discipleship. He also provided on a level of giving you something that you needed. Mm -hmm. So I think we all understand the importance now of, um, the discipleship, not just, um, from an older person to a younger person, but also the other way around the, you know, the, the st statistics out there are very alarming. Um, I looked at the Barna statistics the other day, and it says that 70% of young men from the age of 6th grade to 12th grade within the church say that they don't have somebody actively discipling them or mentoring them on a one-on-one -on -one level. Mm. And I think that's a shame, and I think that's something that we're, we're missing out on and um, we're missing the mark on. And so I, it's this is just really coming to you as an encouragement, as an eye-opener to me, and I hope it will be an eye-opener to other people. Mm -hmm. 
that the times are short and we need to take discipleship seriously. We need to start building the future of the next generation mm-hmm. and really fortifying the walls, protecting them and um, fortifying the walls of discipleship so the enemy can't come into our camp and tear us apart family by family, church by church, marriage by marriage. We need to be victorious, and we need each other to do that. Right. Um, and so with that, we'll we'll pray and close out. So, Lord God, I just thank you for this day, Lord, and I just thank you for everything that you gave us to say today, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, that we won't take discipleship for granted. Lord God, I just pray that you would send people our way that, we can share your love with, Lord God, and that we can trade them up in the way that they should go. Lord God, I just pray that we wouldn't miss an opportunity, Lord God, and I just pray that you would be with everybody listening. You know, I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so for those of you that listen, this will be on Spotify, and I am working on putting all of our other episodes on YouTube. For those of you that do listen to the YouTubes, Um, I will work on getting all of our other episodes posted on YouTube. So please forgive me for stop posting to YouTube. I will get those episodes up as quickly as possible. And with that, thank you for listening to a Pitch Towards Holiness podcast. I'm Michael Kidwell. And I'm Mike Kidwell. Have a great day.